created live on Fireside. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we're live on Fireside this Friday the 13th. Ooh, spooky. Oh, come on. None of you really believe that superstitious garbage, do you? Here's something else you probably don't believe, that there's never enough. Here to dispute whether you reach enough, we welcome from Releve Financial Group, certified financial planner, Don Dalby. Plus, our very own local CFP, OG. And from LenPenzo.com. Really? Twice in a week? Oh, pinch me, because I'm dreaming. It's Len Penzo. Later, I'll fuel some sweet competition between these three with some magical trivia. So whose lucky day is it? And now, a guy who really is good at making his money disappear, it's Joe Saul Seahigh. It depends on what size board game store I'm in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Keep Your Wallet Empty for the Wind or the Money's Gone. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. Happy Friday and happy Friday the 13th to you, Mr. Doug. Yeah, whatever. Friday the 13th, smart 13th, something like that. It's a, you, don't, you don't believe in all the superstitions, oh, huh? Gooey. None of that. No. None of that for you. you. You know what I believe, Doug? I believe that on Friday the 13th, that's the magical day when OG appears across the microphone from me. The 13th of the month, basically. <laughs> so, it doesn't have to be Friday. It could be Thursday or Tuesday. Like any any other day. How are you, my friend? Fantastico. Ready it's to talk about having weekend enough? Of, uh, of school. Uh, it, it, can you believe that? It's, I don't know. Summer, summer went break. so quick. Yeah. They've had enough. Of, I've had enough of them having summer break. Does that count as something? <laughs> that you're ready to send them back. Yes. I've had enough of my kids. If only they could. Well, you know, it's nice. You'll still see them on weekends and holidays and, and uh, after that, school. It's that that uh, thing that was going around TikTok or on Instagram showed the picture of, I don't know, husband or something, the man saying, Hey, I'm telling my, telling Judy, it's her weekend with the kids. And she's reminding me that we're married. (laughs) (laughs) And the the guy who I think is married deep under Los Angeles, let's uh, find out from his bunker. Mr. Len Penzo's here. Joe, how are you? My friend? I am fantastic, man. Can you believe summer's almost over? No, I can't. And you know, it seems like it's kind of weird. It seems like the, you know, the middle of the country and the East Coast, they start school a little sooner than they do generally out here in the West, which is everybody saying, oh, the kids are going back to school. The kids are still partying up out here. That's fantastic. A woman with kids on her own. It's about time she's back, Len. Don Dalby joins us again. How are you? You know, I am fantastic. Thank you. And is summer gone too fast for you? Or are you like OG and ready for the kids to go? You know what? My kids start school in two days. And here's the thing. I've been yelling at them all day. They're two teenagers and telling them to get organized and get their room clean. Dom, tell everybody what you do, because we love having you on. We love your take on stuff, but you have a very special practice. I do. And thank you for having me again. I've been a CFP wealth advisor for, I don't know, I don't want to date myself, but over two decades, I'm a behavioral financial advisor. And over the last two years, I have been working on an online program to help people build both their worth and their wealth. And I cannot wait to talk about the subject today. Well, we got Don here. We got Len here. We got OG here. We got Doug. We're going to talk today about having enough. But first, this episode sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, guys, let's talk about enough. I love these live recordings because my computer decided to time out and we got to play the music just a little bit longer while I log myself back into my computer. Today's piece comes to us from the Denver Post, and it's written by a gentleman named Steve Boren at the Post. And uh, like you, Don, I thought this was a fantastic piece. It's called Improving Investor Behavior, Deciding on Enough. And as long as I'm talking to you, Don, uh, we might as well ask you the first question. Why is it? Because this is what it was like for me when I was a decade, it's been 10 years, but I don't think that things have changed for you, for OG, for me, for advisors everywhere. Why is it that people come into our offices and they always want to compare themselves to somebody else? Why is that? Yeah, great question. Well, we all compare ourselves because I think we're not in a full alignment of really of who we are. I see people all the time. They don't feel like they're they're enough. And then that means that their money is also never going to be enough. I mean, I don't know how many times people have come in my office and they all say, you know what? I know my portfolio isn't like everybody else's. I hear that all the time when they're like my top client. You mean they think they're behind? They think, yeah, they all think they're money They, you know, well, we don't have as much money as your next client coming in, blah, 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 blah. I hear that all the time. And I'm like, you are one of the top, you know, you have a portfolio of over seven figures. Of course you have plenty of money, um, but nobody ever feels it. This uh, piece begins by saying at a party given by a billionaire on Shelter Island, the late Kurt Vonnegut informed his friend, author Joseph Heller, that their host, a hedge fund manager, had made more money in a single day than Heller earned from his wildly popular novel Catch-22 over its entire history. Author Heller responded, yes, but I have something that he will never have enough. And I'm wondering, Len, because you're a guy who's getting ready to retire from working for the man. When did you figure out that you might have enough or do you still feel like you don't have enough? I think I'm always going to feel like I, in the back of my mind that I don't have enough. But, um, actually a year ago, uh, I kind of came to the conclusion that I did have enough and it, it kind of helped, uh, looking at friends of mine who had started to get retire and it uh, kind of got me looking and comparing and did came, help you in that case. Yes, it well, it did. It boosted my confidence in that regard. One thing I don't do, though, Joe, I never compare myself to anybody else. I mean, I learned early on that will drive you insane trying to and looks are deceiving, too. I, I you know, I don't know many people that actually talk about how much money they have, you know, share how much money they have in their retirement accounts, you know, just as friends or whatever. Yeah. But, if it, but people do compare themselves by what they see. Oh, my neighbor has a, you know, oh, they've been buying all, going on all these trips and they have these expensive cars. And that can really get you into trouble because, you know, looks can be deceiving. You see that all the time, don't you, OG? People that own a lot of toys probably don't have a very high net worth. It's hard to not be in that trap. You know what I mean? And it doesn't even have to be toys like boats and cars and that sort of thing. It can be, and that stuff starts in, starts in high school with tennis shoes and jeans and, you know, 
all that all that stuff and 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 it's a real slippery slope i mean if after you get to a certain point of income you've put food on the table and shelter over you and paid the electric bill and that sort of thing all the rest of this stuff is really fluff you know and the challenge i think from a planning standpoint is to kind of freeze that lifestyle as much as you can so that you can uh uh start saving and doing other things with all that, with, with the extra money, you know? So just, just be good. Like try to be good. That's, that's, that's the message there. I hear the words coming out of your mouth, OG, but ever since I got an airplane, you've been wanting to buy an airplane. (laughs) So you're such a poser. I didn't say any of this is applicable to me. (laughs) The dominoes start falling and it becomes, Becomes problematic. And, and mine's just one of those balsa wood ones where you twist the propeller and the rubber band, but OG's got to go you full on syrup. You should have told him that ahead of time, Doug, which type of airplane, but you didn't specify. <laughs> so there you go. You know, speaking of overspending, though, he talks about wealth, about somebody who earns 100000 and spends 125000 And this isn't healthy. Sticking with you, OG, uh, easier than to increase income to maybe get enough or is it easier to cut expenses to get enough? Well, it kind of depends on where you're coming from. In this 100 to 125 example, I think I think you've covered the basics, right? It's very difficult to cut your expenses to zero. Maybe it's even impossible, you know, but there's some base amount of expense that is going to be, you know, your living expense number, no matter what you cut out. You have to have some amount of food. You have to have some amount of shelter and so on and so forth. So, it's a lot easier to work on the upside of it than it is to cut on the downside. When you're talking about 125, there's probably some fluff there. Now, if it's 125, you got four kids and and one person in the family is working and and they all have sports to go to and all that sort of stuff, well, it's probably going to be tough to cut from there. But if you're single and you live in a efficiency apartment, probably have some fluff. So some of it's a little bit dependent on where you are, but it's always easy or easier to add income to the to the top line. Don, you agree? Of course it is. I personally believe that in this case, the situation we're talking about is, you know, people overspend typically because of what I would say probably emotional reasons. So it's really having, you know, getting down to that, you know, the why they're overspending and what's causing that and making them stop and think clearer on what's going on. And if it does come down to, you know, earning more income, then yes, I think it's actually easier than we think to earn more income. It's our thinking and our emotions that get in the way of that. Let's stick with you for a second. He also talks about the person that lives a long way from work, right? They're making money hand over fist, Dom, but they're not enjoying any of it. You have to see these people all the time too. Right. Cause they're spending so much time chasing the dollar and they don't have a balanced life. Right. So they're spending too much time on the road and too much time at work. And they're not really in alignment with like he talks about, um, you know, the purpose and people's passion and how they want to spend their time. And I think so many of us just get so caught up in chasing the dollar and we're not thinking about life in general. And our, we all know our two biggest commodities commodities are time and money, right? And so it's like, what's more important to you? And people just put too much value on that, that dollar amount, because I think people don't feel worthy enough if they don't have the right type of money. I've, I feel like there's, there's a financial equivalent to the birds and the bees talk, Don, like there's the big, what does it all mean to me talk, which is, which do, do you think that that's the talk when somebody's living that lifestyle that they haven't had yet? You know, I think it's, it's to me, it's part about what I call living wealthy. In fact, you know, the platform I've been working on for two years is I, I just wrote a book about this. I, I finished my website. I finished a platform and it's about living wealthy. And what I believe when you start peeling back again, the why behind the why behind the why it's really because people aren't living in alignment. And when I say alignment, here's what I'm talking about is, you know, as wealth advisors, we all focus on building external financial security for people. But I think as advisors, especially myself over, you know, the the past couple of decades, it's like we've done a disservice to our clients because we're not teaching them how to live in alignment with their true internal security as a human being and their external financial security. And when you combine those two, you get total security. And I believe that's where you are able to experience what I call is, you know, living wealthy. And that's what this article is about. 
Do you see that with people around you, Len, at work? You see people just out chasing money and really haven't had the talk or the thoughts that Don's talking about? I honestly, I don't know, Joe, if people are out, you know, they're just chasing money to chase money. Um, you don't ask that during your meetings when you're working on some secret project? Are you guys just chasing money? No, I will say this, though. I do work with a, a few people um, who... I expect should have been retired by now and they're not. Um, and I'm wondering, it's like, why are you still working? I mean, maybe you love the job, but I mean, these people are pushing 70 and I'm, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know. It, it just, it's, it, it makes me wonder because that's not something that I want to do. You know, I don't want to be working at age late sixties. I want out. And wait a minute. And you, you don't get the feeling like they're still there just because they enjoy it because this is what they really love. Yeah, no, I, I don't get that feeling. No. It's amazing to me because I remember my mom worked in a school system and she said, you could just see people like the last five years of their work where they would come into work, but it was just this empty shell, right? They were sitting down and phoning it in all day. And really you could tell they just didn't want to be there. And then you have to wonder, was it a saving problem? Was it a, I'm on autopilot problem? Like what's the deal here? Yeah. Oh, oh, gee, he makes another point here that I wanted to turn to you to, which is he says money doesn't make life less stressful. Often it makes life more stressful. You believe that? Well, it's just different. You know, it's a it's different responsibility. It's different uh, baggage that goes with it. If you if everybody dreams about winning the lottery, but. But what comes with that? You know, I mean, comes with all this stuff that goes with that. How many stories have you heard about uh, athletes who make millions of dollars but are destitute three years after their career ends? Was it because they didn't have enough money? Well, no, it's because they didn't have a good system set up or it's because all of the other stuff that goes with having too much. On one end of the spectrum, they didn't have enough. And then the other end of the spectrum, they had so much that that they thought it would never run out. And so did everyone around them. You know, you got to be careful what you wish for, I guess, a little bit. But it seems like, Don, having that discussion that you're talking about, right, or having that internal conversation about what the, is this, what's this really do for me takes away some of that stress because this guy says, you know, you worry about guarding it, protecting it, keeping it, not losing it. I'm thinking about that seven figure person you're talking about going, I'm sure I'm way behind. Like that person not only is worried about not losing it, they're also stressed out because they think that they're losing to the Joneses. Absolutely. Well, you know, the article talks about, you know, there's always something to worry about, but I think he also stated in that article, you know, we have to learn how to deal with the certainty of uncertainty. Right. There's always uncertainty every single day in all of our lives and the challenges like you, like we said, as more money comes in and your business grows or your income grows, there's always more worries and more challenges. But we have to you know, be better thinkers. We need to be able to control our thinking. And of course, maybe it's just me as a female on here, but, you know, managing the emotions is so vitally important. But I think you know, all of us have to know that there's uncertainty in every single day of our lives. And how do we deal with that uncertainty, knowing that that is certain? You know, they always say what the two certain things are death and taxes. Well, It's also, you know, it's also uncertainty, right? Every single day, we all can relate to that for sure. Yeah. It it reminds me the thing that people hate most is change. And yet the thing we know that's going to happen in our life is change. Right. And the reason why we hate the change is because we're not like controlling, you know, we tell ourselves lies all day long. I think we have so many of us. In fact, I would say all of us have some toxic thinking and, you know, we, we have limiting beliefs. We think we don't think correctly. And we think about always fearful thinking, what's going to happen wrong. We're trying to defend ourselves. And that's kind of how our brains were developed. But I think, you know, like being aware first and foremost, that we are, we do have some of these toxic thinking going on and these thoughts, which triggers our emotion. And just, it's really about, you know, life is uncertain. We can't make that big of a deal about it. It, What's bigger and what's bigger is what's in our head versus what reality happens to us. So Don, what about Killingsworth study out of Penn's Wharton school that said that all measures of happiness and well-being increase with income? Is that necessary or is it just that if you understand what your goals are you can find happiness at any income level 
I, well, I believe money alone obviously doesn't provide happiness, but I do believe we need money. Like, I don't want to downplay the money part too, because let's discuss. We all love money. I've never met a person that doesn't want more money in their life. I mean, there are studies from, you know, poor people all the way up to billionaires, like how much is enough? And everyone answers a little bit more, right? (laughs) And so we all love money and let's not downplay that. But I think, you know, when you align your yourself and who you are as a human being with that money and you're living in alignment with how you want to spend your time and having freedom and security at the same time, that's what really buys happiness. It's this total security, this internal security of who you are as a human being, your strengths and your weaknesses. And, you know, combining that with the external financial security, we all want more money. And when you have that alignment piece like that is freaking amazing. Hey, Don, and I, I, that resonates with me. And I think the most important thing of all of this is know thyself, right? You've, if you know, if you look inward and you really understand what you want, once you do know that, everything else will fall into place. And but, but you know that it takes time. I mean, usually in your twenties and your thirties, you don't know. You, mm-hmm. you you might think you know what you want. It takes time to really get to know what you really want in life. It takes ex- life experience. But once you have figured that out, I mean, it, those kind of worries and those questions, you you can help allay those fears a little easier. Hold on a second, Len. Are you saying that you cannot retire at age twenty three <laughs> with? A few minutes of life experience and, and lead. A, a <laughs> well, I guess you can. Seven you, years. Sure, you can, and 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 then you're also free to unretire at t- age twenty six. So yes, you know. So you are. With, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't with hear those air quotes around retirement. Right. Yeah. <laughs> By retirement. I want to ask this uh, this follow up question to end the first half of this, be the philosophical half, before we get much more tactical in the second half. Uh, so, what does enough mean to the three of you and Don, since you, uh, since we were talking to you, let's have you kick this off. What does enough mean to you? That's a great question. You know, I went through this seven, eight years ago where my income was, you know, five times bigger than I've ever imagined. And I still felt like I wasn't enough. And when I started, like Len and I were just talking, when I started doing this alignment, like, how do you find yourself? Yes, it's through wisdom and experience, but I believe it's about, you know, aligning your purpose and your vision and your goals and, you know, earning your income around your strengths and spending your income in alignment with your core values. Like when you truly find yourself and are comfortable with those strengths and core values and your weaknesses. Like we all have weaknesses, right? Let's not try to pretend that we're all perfect. We're not, we're human beings. But when you get okay and grounded in your own worth and who you are as a human being, I'll tell you like what I went through this process and I aligned all of those things I just talked about, like my income then doubled because I wasn't focused on just chasing the dollar. Mm. You're focused on something very specific that was fulfilling my purpose and what I'm called to do here. And, you know, having people live a full and happy, purposeful life. And you can do that by the combination of, you know, the external financial wealth and the internal financial wealth. That happened to Len when he quit chasing, you talk about chasing money, quit chasing all the money and instead decided to just chase the precious metals. That was it, right, Len? (laughs) Yes, of course, Jeff. Len, what's enough mean to you? Well, I, you know what? I have two benchmarks. The first is the bare bare minimum. What is – how much do I need for living expenses and medical to get me uh, – just to survive basically uh, in the house I'm in for, for say the next 30 years, which I assume I – hopefully I can make it another 30 years. That's, that's just the bare minimum. And then the other one is how much over that in order to lead a, a comfortable life – um, based on, you know, things I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, and that includes going places, traveling, doing things for my kids, you know, so I have two, two separate numbers. That's how I know what I've got. And that's how I know it's time I can do it. I can retire. I can't believe you answered that without referencing two buck Chuck or box wine. Well, that's in the, that's, that's in the fun things that I want to do. You know, that's, that's over and above the, the, uh, 
survival expenses. You, you just look at the inflation on those and make sure that that can keep <laughs> that mother load can keep coming on in. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. I mean, you have to keep that in mind, the inflation. And here's the other, let me say, here's one more thing I did over. I haven't said all of my calculations. I do not include things like social security and pension. Okay. I assume the worst, you know, me living in the bunker. So all of my numbers are based outside of those. Those, those are great. That's gravy. If that stuff, you know, sticks around for me. If it all goes wrong, it can still be so, so right. Exactly. And that's, and that's part of, that gives you a lot of confidence when you know that, Hey, who, you know, if social security goes away, if my pension fund blows up, you know, I've still planned that I have enough. Oh, gee, enough for you. I tell everybody we just have to double twice more. I say that a lot. That's it. You're just still chasing it. Just have to double twice. Don't be a quitter. I know. I think that, uh, you know, one of the things Steve talked about in the article here was, you know, one of the most valuable, he says, one of the most valuable measurements of wealth is the ability to control your time. And I think as the years go on, and this is probably Len's point about like where you find what's more important to you than stuff is, is your ability to do kind of what you want to do when you want to do it. So, so I think, I think the enough happens when you have the ability and I'll borrow a little bit of this from strategic coach, but when you have the ability to control your time and your purpose and, and, and your relationships, and when you can figure out who you want to hang out with and do what you want to do, like Don said, to, to point your ship in the direction of the things that are important to you and you can do it in the time frame in which you want to do it. I think, I think you're good at that point. And there's, there's obviously all the other considerations that go with it, like the financial aspects of putting that all together. But, but generally speaking, if you can do those things, then you're probably also okay on the other side. So a little bit of both answers, double twice or do this other stuff. <laughs> all right, guys, it is time for our trivia game. Uh, if you're brand new to the show, Len and OG and Paula have a year long, uh, trivia contest going on. Len is the two time reigning champion and, uh, Don, I've got some good news and some bad news for you. Which one do you want first? I will take the bad news first. The bad news is, is that you are tied for last place with Len uh, you, <laughs> but the good news is but you're in good company. <laughs> that's right. But the good news is Don is that because you're playing on behalf of Paula Pant from afford anything, that also means that you are going to get to guess last. So that's the good news. OG has 11, Len has nine and you have nine. Doug, you ready to do some trivia? Yeah, let's rock. All right. Let's find out a little bit about, uh, what's going on around here on Friday the 13th, which to me is a pretty spooky day, but, well, let's see. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Duggan. Oh, would you look at that? We're over halfway through this Friday the 13th episode, and not a single bad thing has happened to me yet. Uh, I mean, sure, on the way over here, I hopped over Mr. Queasyak's fence and ripped my pants a little, but, I mean, that could happen any day. Okay, maybe when I landed, I plopped right into a nice perfectly symmetrical cone of dog crap but i mean that happens it happens and i was really lucky that the sprinklers came on right at that moment and washed the dog poop right off me i mean coincidence right look it's not an x-file episode people just like friday the 13th is bogus so is magic sorry kids it's not a thing but magic is big business and none rake in more benjamins than david copperfield so today's question is how much did the top-earning magician rake in back in 2019? I'll be back with your answer faster than I can make some advertisements appear. Well, David Copperfield, how much money did David Copperfield make? Uh, we're going to kick it off then with OG, who's in the lead. How much money in 2019 did David Copperfield rake in? So we're saying that David Copperfield was the number one guy. He he was the correct, the number one guy. Hmm. I would have thought David Blaine. Uh, so Copperfield's got the big thing in Vegas, which I saw and is pretty gosh darn good. Um, how much did I pay for those tickets? 
They were like 10. Uh, no, he rode like a motorcycle or something. I don't know. He disappeared and then showed up riding a motorcycle. That's all I remember. Um, boy, oh boy. Copperfield. Uh, that stadium or the little auditorium thing, it's got a seat. 50 or 80 people, $10 a ticket. 80 know. people? Sure, sure, 80. Um, probably, uh, <laughs> probably works two, maybe does two two shows a week, I guess, at this point. He's working an auditorium at a junior high. I love this. I love this math. $68 million. Plus the cost of the folding chairs. Yeah. And then there's the fire thing hoop to jump through. All right. He sets the bar at $68 million. Mr. Penzo, what are you thinking? Oh my gosh. In one year, right? In In one one year. year, Yes. Gosh. Um, Well, you know, I remember reading something on Siegfried and Roy. Remember, remember them? Yes. Um, And the horrible tiger incident. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you need to take us there? Sorry. Were, and, and I saw their net worth. And gosh darn it. I can't remember now. It was it was definitely uh, nine figures. Um, boy, oh, boy. Figures. What did like Britney Spears? What was she? What is she getting? I, well, she's getting she's zero, getting like, right? <laughs> what are we talking about? Well, I'm just right. This is, isn't he in Vegas? He's in. That's Vegas, correct. Right? Yes. But isn't Britney Spears getting nothing because of the conservatorship? She asks her dad. That's right. She gets, she gets, I don't know. I think OG's a little high and his, and his estimates probably off by a bit too. So. um, Yeah. There might've been a hundred people there to be honest. (laughs) Does it count the M&Ms that you can buy? I'm going to say, I think you're just a little high. I'm going to say 40 million. $40 $40 million in 2019. Well, Don, there's a little difference between the two of those, $68 million and $40 million. What do you think? Well, let's just go right in between the two. I mean, why not? Like, how the hell would I know this answer? Um, <laughs> right? So, How do you really feel, Don? Right? Um, besides, you know, maybe, and this is 2019, right? Not in COVID. So no COVID. COVID. When nobody had any work. Oh, that's, boy, that's, whoa. I, I would, yeah, good shoes. Uh, okay, so right in between, smart. let me do 50, I'll cut the difference because I don't know any way, way else to do it. 54 million. 54 million. Is that the, is it, is that that's the middle? final answer. 54 million. All right. Can I call a friend? Can I call a friend? Absolutely <laughs> not. Are you kidding me? Oh, I hate you. Okay, fine. 54. We we would love to tell Don and everybody else who's right, but we don't play it that way. Like Doug said, we've got a few friends to talk to. We'll be right back. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine, and my nephew Nathan is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, And their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, 
track progress toward financial goals and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Don, you went last with 54 million. I can't believe you don't know this. I thought that like OG, you would have added up the folding chairs and the 80 people. Well, my <laughs> HB 12 or my, my calculator wasn't working. <laughs> That's good excuse to, yes. Uh, Len, 40 million. You're the low guy. I feel pretty good just because I have a pretty big range compared to, uh, I mean, I know OG's got up to infinity, but I, I I'm feeling pretty good. And beyond. Week. Yes, and the infinity and beyond. That's a lot of money in one year. And then OG, 68 million. You got the top side. To infinity and beyond. Here we go. Which one of you are going to get it? Well, let's find out a little bit more first about uh, Friday the 13th. I'm sure that, Doug, I'm just betting you might have a little more. Hey there, stackers. It's Doug. And, you know, talking about the, what we'll call them anomalies on the walk over here, made me think about, look, did you know that there are three step ladders set up in the basement? Who set those up? And who put these cracked mirrors everywhere? Oh, it's, there's a cute little black kitty cat walking. Wow. It's, it's completely normal, right? I mean, this is all, it just happens in everybody's basement. It's completely normal. You know what? Let's get back to today's trivia, and I'll try not to dwell on any unusually coincidental events. The question was, how much did the top-earning magician, David Copperfield, rake in back in 2019? If you guessed a whopping $60 million, you'd Goodness be right. <laughs> and so, oh, it's a nail-biter, but Dawn, who was only $6 million off, is our winner. And on that note, it's time for me to carefully maneuver around the basement, you know, for no particular reason, just going to be... A little bit more careful today. So you Nice. Don Dalby bringing home the bacon for Paula. Right? <laughs> Paula better love me for that one. I, I, I want to go back and requote your answer now that we know that you won. I don't have a clue. Let's just split the difference. Well, yes, I know. You know what? I, I got to look at their two numbers, right? And then I just divided them in half. So I really shouldn't win. But it turns out that's how brilliance works, though, Don. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> yes, sure. absolutely. Hey, let's move into the more tactical side of this equation where we're going to give you very tactile things you can do to work on getting to the point where you feel like you have enough. Today's second half of the show is brought to you by MagnifyMoney.com. You know what happens, Don Dalby, when you go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money? Sure. Well, tell me. You tell me first. <laughs> that's, really, that's pretty good. I thought this was going to be, this was, uh, I was like, excited here. It's like, wow, that, that was brazen. Uh, when you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnified money, you, Don already knows. What happens is you find those, <laughs> those brick and mortar baked products you use every day, probably not best in class because you haven't looked at over 92% of all of the online banks products all compared and contrasted against each other. So if you're looking for a better savings account, better checking account, better CD rates, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. But Don, you already knew all that. I did. I would know more of that if you would invite me on more often. <laughs> that's, that's, there you go. That's good. I'm yes. sorry. Focus. Right. Uh, uh, let's get more t- tactical. And Don, we'll stick with you. So when you're working on somebody's financial plan and you're trying to work with them into having this, this discussion, you must have some points or some very focused questions you have people ask themselves. Uh, where do you think somebody should start? Start in terms of knowing that they have enough? Yeah. Having, having at, at the very least, having that internal discussion or maybe with a spouse or their financial planner or a friend or whoever it might be. 
you know what the the clients that I've helped over you know over the years, I will tell you that it, sometimes it doesn't even matter what you tell them, and you can even go into a technical financial plan. Like I have done comprehensive planning my entire life. We run financial analysis. We show them based on you know over the next twenty five years, based on your withdrawal rate. And, you know, not even including social security and all this other kind of technical data we put into the plan, you're still going to have the same portfolio you have today. And I'm always, always giving my clients the message of you can actually loosen the purse strings up a little bit. You don't have to buy that two buck chuck that you guys are talking about. I, I've had clients come to me multiple times. They're like, Don, I finally upgraded my wine because of you. I'm like, thank you. Because <laughs> you have a four buck chuck. You can either drink the crappy wine or you can leave millions to your kids. Like what's your priority there? And they're like, well, we're going to drink better wine. So seriously, and I having the conversation where I feel like they loosen the purse strings up a little bit, but I still believe people out there is my clients are still like looking at the what ifs, you know, the, what if 2008 happens again? What if another depression happens again? Like what all these what ifs, and I'm going to still save my money for a rainy day. So I think you can, you know, technically show them based on Monte Carlo simulations. And we're looking at different sequencing of rate of returns and all this kind of technical advice that we're giving them. They still are always prepping around the fact that they might not have enough in, in the end. And I'm like, well, dude, what are you going to do when you're 95? You don't need this money. <laughs> you know, like you're going to be reading a book and drinking beer. You know, is, is it really your priority to give this money to your children? Cause that's what's going to happen. But and so then take that money and pay off their debt because that's what that generation has mm. overspent. Right. And so we have this, you know, generational conversations about what's really going to happen with their money. And so they, they, at the end of the day, so they can make really sound decisions about what's most important to them. Well then is paying down debt. One of those things that make you feel better about your money. Cause it gets rid of some of those black swan issues that, Hey, at the very least, I know I've got my house. Yeah. I think most of my clients have already paid off their house. What I'm saying is when they transfer their wealth to the next generation, right? Yeah, that hasn't saved as well and hasn't sacrificed as well because you know, that next generation lives in, lives in this instant gratification world where they have too much debt. And so, you know, mom and dad or grandma and grandpa are going to sacrifice their life and not spend their money. I'm sure all of you listening advisors, you can relate to this, right? They don't want to spend their money. And then what's really going to happen is they pass away you know, 30% of that's going to go to the IRS from a taxation standpoint and the rest of the money is going to pay off debt. So then back to my original question, then if people are going to obsess about all that stuff and I'm trying to get more tactical here, what's the first thing you'd tell a stacker to do to get beyond that point? Like, what do you do to get over that mountain? If you're, if you have the debt, you mean, or if you are thinking that you're going to run out of money? Yeah. If you don't think you have enough, if you don't think you have enough, I, it's the, it's the constant conversations that you're having the repetitive conversations around, you know, if you've built up your cash reserves and we have enough on the sidelines and we know that you have enough to support your retirement times two even, and even if the markets blow up, like we have baked in performances that are negative performances, you know, in, in stock and in fixed income markets for years and years and years, like there is a less than 10% probability of you ever running out of money. Is that enough? And, and when, when I get passionate and detailed and I don't want to say in their face, but you know, add that emotion into the conversation, that's when they start to listen. And I think that's the tactical thing that people need to do is go through that that comprehensive financial analysis and looking at it a thousand different ways to yeah. make them feel secure. Get get more granular about your numbers and that will take away some of the doubt. Absolutely. I would imagine that uh, Mr. Penzo here is an engineer, Don, that somebody who's an engineer really wants to dive into those numbers too, because I think that's where they find the doubt. Oh, absolutely. And I would say, gosh, when I was building my business, about 40% of my clients were the engineer type and they get super analytic and detailed, which is great because you know why? Because that's where they feel the most secure and knowing those numbers. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Len, when you were on the path to enough, uh, how did you finally clear that hurdle? Like tactically for somebody listening, what do you think the first thing is to do to get a hold of having enough. Is it what Don's talking about running those numbers? Did we lose Len again? 
This is Len, and I agree with Don. <laughs> oh, well done. Sorry. That's good. Fantastic. I think we... That's perfect. This is two weeks in a row that we've, that we've lost, Len. Uh, OG, let's go to you then. Do we... Do you like Don's approach there? Run those numbers first, and that takes away some of the uncertainty? Well, that's where it's going to come from initially. And then I think it's really helpful to actually try to quantify exactly what is the biggest concerns that you might have. You know, if, if if we're dealing with the question of, do I have enough to do X? And maybe that's retire, or send kids to college or all of those things or whatever. And we've clearly identified that you're okay, but you don't quite feel that yet. Then I would want to say, all right, let's try to figure out specifically what you're concerned about. And I think when you give, you know, when you give the monster a name, then you're able to kind of solve it. If you just... Kind of say, well, I don't feel like I can quit yet, or I don't feel like I have enough, or whatever. It's that's not able to be solved, you know. So I would say, kind of quantify exactly what it is that you might be concerned with, and then we can figure out a way around that. I love this idea because I had a coach at one point give me the advice. I was meeting with him, and I said, "Oh, I have so many things going on. I'm so far behind. I've got all these things." He goes, "Let's get it all out on paper." And you know what's funny, OG? I had like four things, but they had built up so big in my head that once I got them down on paper and I attacked those first, I was through those things maybe in, I'm going to say a couple hours. All of a sudden it was gone. Yeah. And you can figure out exactly, you know, while you're of relatively sound mind, you know, if you're not trying to solve the problem while the market's down or you're not trying to solve you know, what do I do if my spouse passes away or, you know, whatever your concern is, you're not trying to deal with that in real time. You can say, how do I want to handle this now? And set aside time, schedule time to solve the problem because you have lots of time to do it while it's not happening. So you're going to make better decisions that way anyway. And then literally put the plan on the shelf. Say, okay, you know, we all know what happens if somebody has a heart attack at the football game, you know, you know what to do. Why? Because we've put that plan on the shelf a long time ago. And, you know, you don't have to like try to figure out like, what's the number to call again? I can't remember. It's something real simple. We're supposed to remember it, you know? And why? It's because we thought about it while we're of, you know, not in that highly stressful environment or it's stressful time. So, you know, it, obviously the easiest thing is to just accept data the way it is. But if you can't accept it from a math standpoint, and there's still something nagging, then, then get it out in the open. And, um, you know, Monsters don't like to see light. So once you put it on paper, it'll go away. That's great. Let's talk about, Len, some of the tactical ways. You talk about guarding it. You know, He talks about guarding it, protecting it, keeping it, not losing it, right? Uh, OG talks about giving it a name. Well, first, I got to assume that uh, Apple, Len, uh, decided to help you out again this week. Yeah. That's, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. I, you know what? This is twice now. The, the, my phone just chooses to reboot itself in the middle of the show. <laughs> It's like, what the hell? I was like, oh, not again. Anyways. Yeah, so well, Don did, a, Don did a phenomenal uh, Len Penzo impression a few minutes ago that you missed. Oh, I'm sorry I missed it. Oh, That's no. I, no, I heard you, Don. I heard you. You know what? In the Monte Carlo analyses, that freaking is awesome. I, I think, and I mentioned this earlier in the previous portion of this, but I think if it really helps to just assume you're not going to have Social Security and or your a pension. I mean, and if you can come to the conclusion that you have enough without those two items, uh, I mean, boy, things really have to go upside down. But did the uh, discussion, Len, really start there? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love that. But didn't it start with how much do we want, which then leads to what do we want to spend every year? Well, absolutely. Like I said, I have my minimum number that I need just to survive. And I have my other number, which is, you know, the minimum I need to have what I'll call spending what I want, what I anticipate I want to be spending over the next 30 years and not be limited, you know, that I will have that money to draw on every year. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to establish those benchmarks. And there's there's another key here. It isn't just you, by the way, it's you and the honeybee. And the the honeybee has an opinion once in a while about this stuff. Oh, Yes, absolutely. So, absolutely. so how did your numbers mesh with what she wanted? Right down the line, really. You know, um, you know, and, and and for good practice for that kind of thing is before retirement for all for those of you in your twenties and your thirties and even your early forties, a, a good practice for working retirement number is do a layoff number or a loss of job number. Have a sit down with your 
spouse. And then not at the same time, you both go off to your separate corners and you say, if my income is cut off and we just have our savings to, to live on, what, uh, what do you want to spend your money on every month? And that includes not only the essential items, the non-discretionary, but the discretionary things as well. And you will learn a lot. You will learn a lot. And you will probably have to have some hard discussions about, you know, what really matters. So that's, that's a good kind of practice thing to do before retirement. But then you should have the same discussion in retirement, for retirement as well. Did you ever along the way think about a, a practice retirement? I mean, where you took an extended vacation? No, not really. I know some people do. They've taken like one year sabbaticals or what, what yeah, have you. Yeah. Um, no, not not for me. I was too, well, I'll be too fearful. Yeah. <laughs> so you know me, that. Mr. Bunker. I was just, that's just how I am. So I'm. I'm but are not, you fearful now that you that these numbers you've put together, the two of you put together on what you think you want, that you haven't lived it before? So you don't know. No. Well, I'm pretty convinced. I'm confident, Joe. I really am confident. Um, I'm just, I've got one training wheel left on the bike and that's coming off, <laughs> you know, so that, that that's coming off very soon. So uh, I like that analogy. Hey, let's yeah. do a, let's do a rapid fire here to end this up. And uh, there is the person that Steve in this uh, wonderful piece, and we'll link to it on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Steve talks about the person making a hundred and a hundred thousand dollars spending one twenty five. I want to take you through two scenarios and just give me a very rapid answer. Don, we'll start with you as the guest. First of all, what expense do you look at first to try to drive down that one twenty five? Like just the average person out there spending 125, making a hundred thousand, what is generally the culprit that can help solve that? Reduce your taxes. Bam. Len? You kind of stole my answer, (laughs) but you know what? Let me just, these things will sneak up. Uh, Eating out. I mean, it can really add up for some people. So. Oh, gee. Yeah. I was going to say food and travel expenses or car expenses car payments, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Nobody went with the number one expense, the, the house and Don just very quickly. Why not? Why didn't you go with, Hey, maybe you need to downsize. Yeah. Uh, I, that could have been one too. I just think I look at more trying to reduce the debt expense on the house versus trying to downsize. Making money then let's go to the other side of this because all of you said that making money was easier. Do you start a side hustle first or do you ask for more money at your main job? We'll go in the opposite order. OG. Ask for more money, especially now. Len? Absolutely ask for more money, but don't ask. You show and, and you tell your employer why you are worth the extra money. So you put together a sheet and you show your worth, your value to that employer. Don, agree? A hundred percent agree. All right. That's going to do it for the second half of, of this discussion. Thanks, everybody, for, for hanging out. Joe, I've got a sheet that I need to walk you through. About my worth. (laughs) Well, we got to see what's going on where all of you live to round out the show. Thanks, everybody, for playing. OG, we'll start with you, man. Big plans this weekend before the kids go back to school? Quite a bit of uh, after-school activity going on this time of year. So busy with that. And um, the final countdown before the the children start their ninth, seventh, and the kindergarten. Holy cow. I don't even know. Wow. Uh, Year on the 17th. Wow, that is just crazy how time flies. Mr. Penzo, what's going on at lenpenzo.com this week? Well, um, you know what? Just recently, if you've ever wondered how much uh, money you're spending on your clock radio, for example, or your hair dryer, or your microwave oven, or uh, window uh, fan or ceiling fan, what I did is I've, I went through, did the typical power consumption for each item, your coffee maker, for example, and then I calculated the hourly power and the monthly power consumption costs for all of those TV sets, everything. I've put in a nice handy little spreadsheet for you, and you can look at your price per kilowatt hour and find out, you know, hey, it might be trivia that might come up sometime. Those game consoles, even when they're off, that they suck a lot of juice. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they suck, they suck power. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that that's crazy. And every engineer in town is going to flock to now lenpenzo.com <laughs> to, to find out exactly. Because that's why they think they don't have enough. If I unscrew well, that oven light. No, it is it's interesting. interesting. Absolutely. It's interesting Like what you're, how much you're vacuum cleaner, how much you're spending on it per. Dude, get a hobby. <laughs> Doug, that is my hobby. That's that's oh my, my life. God. That is that's, the saddest thing I've ever heard. That's a great hobby. I love that hobby. I'm with you, Len. Don't let the hate the haters gonna hate, Len. That's it. Lenpenzo.com. Don Dalby, thanks a ton for hanging out with us again. As usual, your points spot on and your microphone was gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much. I'll get welcome back once again. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. You kidding me? Hey, what are you working on now? Where can people find you? Any big events coming up in Don Dalby world? You know what? I, I would love people to go to the website, dondalby.com. We just launched that two weeks ago. And I actually have my very first live TV interview tomorrow morning and all uh, right. You know, that's, yeah, that's a little nerve wracking, but um, I think I'm overprepared. So I just need to get it over with and rip the bandaid off. And then, you know, on a personal note, I have two teenage daughters. I got one starting junior year, one starting senior year. And I don't know if anyone has teenage kids, but oh my gosh, it's crazy. I'm surprised you still crazy. have hair left, Don. I, I have extensions in. I color my hair and have extensions <laughs> in. And my youngest one is getting her driver's license in a couple of weeks. And I got to tell you, there's <laughs> one thing that makes me gray and gives me lines and makes me do Botox is her driving. Oh man. Oh, it's so stressful. And, but that's the life of a mom and you know, a working mom. It's all good. And everybody head to dondalby.com. And when's the book coming out? You know, the book just finished. We're trying to figure out if we're going to self-publish it or go through a publisher. So I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. But I haven't told anybody this, but I'll tell your audience. It's I, I believe we're going to call it Living Wealthy. I've been working on it for over a year and it's been edited and everything. So that's that's coming up sometime in the near future. And then I'm just finishing up recording a ton of coursework because my whole passion is really you know, teaching the non-millionaires that want to become the millionaires how to build their wealth. And I have a really cool proprietary financial planning tool and a course that I'm launching in September for that. Well, we got to have you back. We definitely yeah, have to have well, you back. You. And it's always so fun. It's I just love to have a good time. I mean, building wealth is a obviously a serious topic, but when you can add some humor and fun to it, Joe, you got it going on, and I appreciate you including me on this episode. I was say we find a podcast that does that. Don, we'll both be happy. That'd right? be exactly. absolutely. absolutely life's too short. We awesome. all know that, right? Gotta have fun. All right. We'll link to everybody's stuff, not just Don's, but, but Len's OGs on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. All right, Doug, you got it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, I'll tell you what we should have learned today. First, take a lesson from our round table. If you start with what you want out of life, instead of just focusing on more, you, you're much more likely to achieve your goal. Second, if you don't think you have enough, take Dawn's advice. If you've got the cash reserves and a long-term plan, just chill out, dude, and go ahead and buy the good wine. You're going to be fine. But the big lesson, this Friday the 13th is a complete hoax. I've been stepping on cracks all day and <laughs> wait. Oh, geez. Is that Joe's mom screaming again? To learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. To get more from Don Dalby, just head to dondalby.com. Spelled the most obvious way. I mean, I'm sure you all know how to spell her last name, but it, for the three people who don't know, it's D-A-H-L-B-Y.com. And to check out Lent Penzo, head on over to lentpenzo.com, spelled L-E-N-P-7-Q-R, I'm sorry, P-E-N-Z-O.com. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, with an important message. Before today, I was not at all superstitious, but today I might be a little stitious. Listener note, no moms. Joe's or otherwise were harmed during the recording of this episode.
Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. Another successful after show here live on Fireside because we didn't lose our guest. Don made it through. Don hasn't heard this story, but two weeks ago we lost our guest. The second we finished, she took off because we forgot to tell her that there was more to come. So thanks for hanging out with us. You know what I realized, Doug, was that you and I were talking earlier about this show and you were talking about worst uh, prom dates. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be great for tonight. And then I realized the prom date thing was for a whole different show, not for this one. It's a different episode. But I haven't, yeah. but I haven't, I haven't done anything else. I've done nothing. Do you want me to tell this story now for an episode that shall be aired later? I thought maybe if we all just shared, if we had a bad prom date, we could just share some horrible prom stories. Oh, sure. You want me to tell the story? Or do you yeah. want Don to go first? It, w- w- well, yeah, we should maybe go ladies first. Don, did you have any bad prom dates? You know what? I did, and I married my bad prom date. You married <laughs> <laughs> I went to prom that with my husband bastard. two years in a row and I am still married to him. So I guess it wasn't that bad, <laughs> but it was a pretty, it actually, was it a bad prom date? Mm, um, no, or is your it bar was, just really it, low. No, of course not. It, no, his bar was really low. I can't tell you what we did on prom, you know, on the show, but we had a good time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, okay. But I married him, so I'm all good. That is that is good. Len? I'm an engineer, Joe. I, I didn't go to dances. <laughs> I will say this, though. I my, my best You didn't bring friend. her home and look at look at the, the wattage on all of <laughs> was, your appliances with her? I was reading. Ma- I, was, but I will say this. I had a, a buddy who went to Disneyland for senior night. He and his date, they, they went to Disneyland. They got on the, you know, you take the school bus, you go to the land, and at the end of the night, you get back on the bus and you go home. Well, so he goes to uh, Disneyland with this date, has a great time. It's late now. I think the place closes at one or two in the morning. He gets back on the bus. Uh, he, he and his date fall asleep on the bus. They wake up and they look around and they're not at the school where they're supposed to be. What? They're at they're at some other school. He got on the wrong bus and he was like 60 miles away from where he should have been. (laughs) And he had to have his parents come pick him and his date up. This is pre Uber. Like like three in the morning. Yeah. So, oh oh my gosh, this was way back when, (laughs) but that's the only, that's the only story I can tell you. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about his parents. I'm worried about her parents. Yeah. I mean, what an excuse. We accidentally got on the wrong bus. Yeah. I still uh, can't figure that out. I, it just, boggles the mind how the you know i thought there were chaperones on those buses and stuff doing head counts and all that but who knows apparently not og i'm with don i uh and len actually i i uh didn't really do the whole dance thing and then when i was uh, finally dating somebody uh i just went to her prom and we've been married for a long time so nice uh, i'm not allowed to say that it was a bad prom Fantastic. Lest I stop Shocking that here. we're on a fina- personal finance podcast and we've got nerds <laughs> who didn't go to their proms. I went. I just didn't go. Who saw I this just, coming? I just, I just went. It wasn't a thing. This is the hit um, you thought it would be, D- Doug. This is totally the <laughs> hell of an after show. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's end this with your story, Mr. Yeah, Doug. Well, do we Same have another us. half hour for the after show? So I've been dating this girl for maybe six or eight months and six or eight hours. Yeah. Right. Uh, There's like seven different stories associated with this prom night. It was just, I mean, she had to make her own dress. My tux had to match her dress, which was lavender. So there's just disgustingness right there. And so we're at prom, you know, you're, you're doing the, you're at the hotel ballroom thing and dinner sucks. All high school kids thinks, Oh, this is stupid. Let's get out of here. Well, her best friend asked a, just a good friend of hers who was a freshman in college at the time to be her date. And the dude looked a heck of a lot like Sylvester Stallone. So we're at the hotel ballroom, dinner's over, and we're, oh, what are we going to do now? We've got like nine hours to go before we get to the after party. Oh, it'll be so funny if we go see a movie. Let's go see a Sylvester Stallone movie. The worst ever Sylvester Stallone movie called Cobra was out at the time. So 
this girl's dad, the best friend's dad, rents a Rolls Royce for prom for his daughter. So we go in a Rolls Royce to a movie theater to watch Cobra. Three quarters of the way through, we get up and leave. What are we going to do now? I don't know. Let's go down to a marina where uh, my dad had a boat. We're going to go to the marina. The limousine driver misunderstands the marina I want to go to and starts driving to Ohio. <laughs> and like an hour and 20 minutes in, I'm like, Mickey, dude, where are you headed, Mickey? This shouldn't take this long to get there. Well, you wanted to go to, no, dude, it's north. What are you doing? So then we turn around and and then we, we end up at some hotel and my girlfriend's best friend just keeps showing up at all the most inopportune times. And... <laughs> Turns out what I didn't know until like three months later was that the girlfriend's best friend had a crush on me. Why wouldn't she? And so she's just inserting herself at every possible moment to make sure nothing happened that night. It was the worst prom night of all time. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric who is such a giving person, Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.